Oh man, I'm excited about this message today. The title of the message is simply Jesus, uh, fitting for this time. But I wanted to stay in sequence. I didn't want to like get out of off track off of our Luke series, so I stayed in the next few verses, the next you know uh, next passage of scripture, just to stay faithful to the text. I firmly believe, and if you don't under, you know maybe you've never been a part of a church that's done this, uh, it changed my life at a time in my life when I needed it. When I went to a church that he uh, took a book of the Bible and started it at the beginning and preached through the book. And it, how many of you have noticed that's what we do? You notice that? So it's uh, expositional preaching or exposing what is in the text. I've been a part of some, and I'm not, you know, hating on them. Maybe I'm throwing a little bit of shade, but not a lot. But I've been a part of some in the past where the pastor gets up and preaches a topical message, where it's whatever he's feeling at the moment, right? Uh, whatever the problem was in the church, and everybody's looking around, I know who this one's about, <laughs> right? I mean, we've all been there, done that. Point number three was for her, you know, and it was never about you, right? But we've all been a part of those, of those, uh, <laughs> of those churches and those sermons where it was just like everybody knew what it was about, you know. There's drama mama in the church, and and there was unity messages after all the business meetings, right? Uh, you know, we need to have unity, and they were of one accord in in the Book of Acts, whatever that means. You know, they didn't have Hondas back then. Just kidding. Anyway, uh, want want want. Uh, but all that being said, it's it's a matter of the Bible is when when the Westbrooks. I did, Dave, did I ask you to do that? No. He, he said, Matt, I, I feel the need. Like, I, I think you saw someone looking. Saw someone looking for a Bible, and it wasn't in front of them. And, um, you know, he said, I, I, I see a need there. Let's just get more Bibles. Let's make them all look pretty, like, like our church. And specifically, he wanted them to match the ceiling, just so that you know. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, this is the goal. It, it's close. No, but anyway, it's, it's in the same color palette, okay? Uh, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Uh, he, he needs his glasses to tell what color they are. But uh, his sunglasses, what are those called? Squirrel. <laughs> um, anyway, so he, he got these. They kind of blend in with my shirt. I wear a lot of blue. It's my favorite color. Do you guys know that? Anyway, so... He gets these Bibles to put in the pew that are all the same. And um, something that I hope when someone comes in that doesn't have a Bible, that they pull it out and they read the words of life. The Bible is quick. It means it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is not my words that will change your situation. It is God's words that will change. If there's anything I could preach on at our two-year church anniversary. It's this, get to know the Word of God. Read the Bible. Have a love relationship with this book. Full-blown, an intimate relationship with the words of God. And this will change your life. Uh, So that's why we preach through a text. And some weeks, I'm looking at the text going, what am I going to say about this text? I don't know what we're going to do when we get to First and Second Chronicles, but we'll pray through it. We'll just, we'll pray through that God blesses and gives. It'll be the last book that I ever preach through, but <laughs> y'all know I'll be like 55 and I'll be like, okay, we finally made it to First and Second Chronicles. Here we go. Hopefully some of you will still be with me at that time, but... Uh, I, I just, I believe that the Bible is what will change our lives. And so that's why. So it might not be uh, the week that you think, man, that was such a bombastic message, or that text, eh, 
let God do that. Let God fill in the blanks. Don't come to hear me preach. Come to hear the word of God. And that will change you. I think this came out of... Now, they were real particular about... Was it this one, Savannah? I think it was that one. Maybe. I want to put them back. Uh, I don't want to get them all messed up. But So staying in text, in stride, we're at Luke chapter 7. And I think it's verse... What verse is it up there, Jose? Verse number 18. So Luke 7, we're going to go verse 18 through 30. And I, I just think that you're going to find this super fitting for today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Meet with us. Speak through your word. We invited the Holy Spirit in through song. Father, now take root through the word of God. Jesus never operates without the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit never goes out without the illumination of the word of God. And Father, it is all a part of your sovereign will today, what we are doing and how we are meeting. And I pray that as an eternal mystery of the Godhead, you would be with us today, our God. You are greater, you are stronger, higher than any other. And we pray that today would be no exception. In your son's name, amen. Look at Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7 and verse 18. If you don't have a Bible and you don't want to look up because it'll hurt your neck, there are Bibles in the pew backs in front of you. So please pull one out and use it. Now I'm going to take a sip here real quick. Okay, let's get started. And the disciples of John, who's he talking about? John who? John the Baptist. And the disciples of John showed him all of these things. Does anybody remember what last week's message was about? The previous portion of Scripture. What did Jesus do? It was the village of Nain. He went to the gate of the city, and what was happening there? There was a son. There was a funeral procession, right? Jesus raised him up, raised him to life, okay? So these are all these things that are happening, these miracles, right? And so now we find that John the Baptist is coming into the text here, into view uh, through these people. Verse 18, and the disciples of John. Showed him all these things, and John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come? This is so telling. Look at this in the text. Or look we for another? What's he saying? John sent his disciples, the disciples of John the Baptist, to Jesus, and he said, John the Baptist told his disciples, Ask Jesus. Are you the one that was to come, or should we what? Look for somebody else. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? And John, calling, 19, verse 20, when the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another? And verse 21, and in the same hour, check this out, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues. That's Jesus. And of all evil spirits, and unto many that were blind, he gave what? Then Jesus answering said unto them. I need you to stay with me. This whole message is going to be kind of woven together. So stay with me. He said unto them, go your way and tell who? John. What things ye have seen and heard. 
How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. At the sound of your great name. Right? That fits there. The poor of the gospel, the poor, uh, the gospel is preached unto them. Verse 23, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Verse 24, and when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. Who? Who was speaking concerning John? Jesus was. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? He's telling the people that are around, that are gathered, when you went out to see John in the wilderness, were you expecting to see some sort of uh, flimsy character that was just going with the wind? Right? That's what he's saying. But what went ye out to see? Here's another scenario. A reed shaken in the wind. Or, verse 25, a man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in the king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? Verse 26, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messengers before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than who? Who is saying these things about someone who was just what? Doubting him. But he that is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, verse 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. So Jesus qualifies the baptism of John as being effective for justification to God. Check this out. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves. Being not what? Of? Of Jesus? No, of who? Man, there's so much encouragement. There is so much life in this text today. If you will just receive it. Let me just open up some things for you. John the Baptist doubted that Jesus was the Messiah. Let me say that again for you. John the Baptist doubted that Jesus was the Messiah. Did you see that in the text? Okay. Jesus said about John in verse 28, if you have your Bibles there, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet. Jesus said that there is, not, uh, there is none greater born of women. Jesus said in verse 24 that John was steadfast. Look at verse 24. And, and when the messengers of John were departed, uh, he began speaking unto the people concerning John. So here's what happened. Jesus said, okay, gather around, story time. These men come to him. Let me explain to you. Go ahead and grab this, man. Let me explain to you why this situation is. John the Baptist spent his entire life up to this point, preparing the way for the Messiah. And then calling out the sin of Herod, basically Herod's stepdaughter, a relationship that should not have been with the ruler of that region, John the Baptist calls him out for his sin. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. That's what Jesus said. So when John was a voice of one crying in the wilderness... 
He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness after 400 years of silence saying, you don't understand Israel. You don't understand that what you are doing is not godly. It is not right. And there is one coming, the Messiah, who I'm preaching. I'm a prophet. I'm called to live this secluded, strange to the world life because I'm here to prepare the way for simply Jesus. And John did just that. And when he confronted the rulers and when he confronted the culture of the day, John was arrested and put in jail. So John is now sitting in prison after fulfilling God's will, God's call on his life, now used up and what? Thrown away. Discarded. In a place of prison knowing that his inevitable future was death. Scripture precludes the fact that, and scholarship agrees, that Herod kept John around because of his scriptural knowledge, because of his foreseeing into, his prophetic nature. I mean, he was completely gifted. Herod did not want to put him to death, but it was a weird situation that one of the daughters caused and bartered for his head. Neither here nor there, John spent over a year sitting in prison, but he had many that when Jesus said, went into the wilderness, they were changed. They were justified by God through the baptism of what? John. It wasn't John's work. What was John's work? Pointing to what? The Messiah. And, and, and I would call this just doctrinally a dispensational difference, a time difference. We get saved in our culture, in our day and age, looking back to what Jesus did, what? On the cross. They got saved looking forward to what the Messiah would do through the blood and on the cross. That's why they had sacrifices. Understand? So there's a a, a kind of a, a paradigm shift that happened from Old Testament law John preparing the way to the gospel happening, which is Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. But that didn't change the fact that John was sitting in prison. And the Bible says that his disciples came to John while he was in prison. And John asks them, he says, is he the one? Or should we look for another? Man. Have you ever found yourself in that position? Where you've doubted, is it God? Is that Him? Or should I look for somebody else? Are you real? Is what I saw in my life before just a fake, just a mirage? I thought it was something beautiful. And as soon as I crossed the hill in the desert, it was gone. I was left with dirt. I was left with heat. I was left with the elements that are crushing me. And here I am in prison. You ever been there? I was here and I gave my entire life for Jesus. And I'm not not asking for somebody to, to whine and complain for me. John wasn't saying, someone get me help. You understand that? He wasn't looking for a way out. He said, should we look for somebody else? I'm not even talking about when you're weak need. I'm saying when literally your mind is telling you this ain't right. Your mind is like literally playing tricks on you. 
You're ready to keep going. You're ready to keep pursuing. You're ready to even keep suffering for the, for the name, for the cause of Jesus. But you wonder, is that really him? I think I'm going to go look for somebody else. See y'all. <laughs> it's been real two years, deuces. I'm going to go try the church down the road. <laughs> okay, guys. Adi- Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it really you? Or should we look for another? Jesus, after he says, watch this. Hey, y'all, watch this. And he performs miracles. And he does crazy things. And the disciples of John are standing there going, oh, yeah, okay. All right, we get it, we get it. No, 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 come here, bring me another leper. Healed, bring me a couple blind people. Sat. Jesus is like, "Mm." now go tell them who I am. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now go tell them that I am who I said I am. I am even better who John said I was. Right? And he flexes his muscles. The disciples run back to the prison to say, John, it's him. John, it's him. John, it's him. And Jesus gathers them around. And he starts reflecting. Reflecting on what John did in his ministry. He says, hey guys... When you went out into the wilderness, what did you want to see? That was perfect timing, Jose. A reed shaken with the wind? Let me ask, did that define John the Baptist? Was he a reed shaken in the wind? No. Look look at the humility of our Savior. A man just looked him square in the face and said, Are you Jesus? And he said, Let me show you some grace. Let me show you some grace on people that don't deserve it. This will prove messianic miracles from the Old Testament that I am Jesus. And then he sits down. Does Jesus talk about himself? He talks about what? John. That just shows his love for him in those moments of insecurity. He says, John, a reed shaking in the wind. Here's this. John was steadfast. That's what Jesus said. I'm here to encourage you and build you up a little bit today. In those moments of weakness, be steadfast. Jesus is reflecting. He says, he wasn't a reed shaken in the wind. He was solid. Steadfast. That's what I see. Verse 25, look at it. I like this one. What went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Who remembers what John wore? Come on. Camel skins. John was, John was like, hey, I can't touch dead things because I had a Nazarite vow. But when you get done with that camel, uh, can you clean that thing out? Give me a piece of leather to put on myself. I just don't want anything superfluous. I don't want anything to point away from Jesus. I just need something to clothe me. I just need the bare necessities, which is covering me. Got it? Get it? Got it? Good. Jesus said, as he's reminiscing about the ministry of John, did people go out in the wilderness to see somebody dressed like a king? No. John was the real deal. So John was steadfast. Here's the word I'm going to use to describe John from verse 25. John was stainless. Steadfast, and he was stainless. You know, stainless steel, right? What's stainless steel? Anybody know? Your refrigerator? Alloy steel containing 12% or more chromium, so as to be resistant, watch this, to rust and attack from various chemicals. He was not tarnished by the image of the world. 
He was stainless. He was steadfast. He wasn't shaken. You get that stainless steel refrigerator. I mean, how far are we going to go with this fridge thing? You know what I mean? I mean, you start walking down Best Buy and there's like a gazillion of them, first of all. And you're like, they're like, here's one. You don't need a laptop anymore. It's in your fridge. It's like, are you serious? What is wrong with these people? All you do is tap it and it becomes all glass. And then you tap it again and it's stainless steel again. I'm like, how does that work? It's magic. It's like, what is this? This is crazy. And no joke, the screens they're putting in this thing are like 55-inch LCDs. If you need to go to the kitchen to get some more food during the football game, just hang out in the kitchen and watch it on the fridge. What the heck is wrong with us? Do you know what I'm saying? First it was water. What's next? Oh, fetch me a, fetch me a beer from the fridge dispensary. Like, are you serious? Like, this thing is crazy. Ice. Other countries don't even have ice. It's not in my fridge door. Are you kidding? I want that piece of trash. What is this tomfoolery? A fridge that doesn't spit ice at me and beverages that I want at the moment I want it. There's going to be robotic fridges that just go up on wheels and come to me in the living room. (laughs) Hello, what would you like to drink? Look in my doors, right? I don't even, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk bad about y'all's fridges. You can buy whatever you want. I'm just saying, when, when, it, when it came time to buy the right fridge, we wanted a stainless steel fridge. Why? Because the finish. That's what I like. I like that finish. And you put a little polish on it. But see, here's the problem. I'm a minimalist. I like modern things. Don't put anything on the refrigerator. Nothing. Get those magnets away. They're just going to scratch the finish. I don't want the junk on the fridge. But no, my wife's like, look at this coloring paper. Look at this picture from when we were engaged. Uh, here's the, the weekly food schedule on the fridge. No, our fridge has a screen. Download the app. Don't put that junk on my fridge. No, I'm kidding. But, but we want to put all that stuff on the fridge. Ultimately, what is a fridge for? Food. It's for food. I'm here to just give you guys a revelation from heaven. A fridge is for food. Got it? Good. Now we can move on. It's no longer about food anymore. It's about the what? The fridge. Did you see my fridge? (laughs) It's just something to hold what gives you life. A fridge doesn't give you life. You put in said fridge, said food that will sustain you. But some point in time, we're really good at this as Americans. We make it about the freaking fridge. Like, what is wrong with us? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about the food. It's about what goes in the fridge. Does it keep it cold? Does it keep it cold? Does it keep your stuff frozen? That's all you need. You don't need any of those other things. Jesus said, John, nothing sticks to him. He keeps the gospel message pure. Nothing in his life will add to Jesus or take away from Jesus. He said, I'm not, I'm not worthy to latch his shoelaces. At some point, we have got to swallow our pride and remember it's not about the fridge, it's about the food. Do you understand? 
John dressed in such a way that no one could accuse him of being better than them. When Jesus is reminiscing about John, he says, he was steadfast, he was stainless, and John was sufficient. Here's what he said. He, oh my goodness, it's 1202. He was the prophet. He was the prophet. Not like Marcus Lemonis, but, but John was the prophet. And he did his job well. Church, listen. Look at verse 26. But when they went out for to see a prophet, listen to Jesus with pride in his voice. Yeah, I say unto you, he was much more than a prophet. How many of you want Jesus to talk about you like that? Man, that guy, Satan can throw anything at him. And he's just like Job. It doesn't matter. He's steadfast. He's stainless. And he's sufficient for the gospel ministry. Son, how many of you want that to be your testimony? I can just imagine in eternity, I'm sitting there around the feet of Jesus, and I just want Jesus to say, you know, Matt, if we're talking about fridges here, he's one funky, crazy fridge. But you know what? He kept the food cold. He had some dents and some dings. Nothing stuck to him, though. He kept his fridge clean. Because it was about the food that was on the inside. But check this out. Let's go a step further. Are you ready? He doubted. John was all those things, and he still doubted whether Jesus was who he said he was. But that's why Jesus was Jesus. Look at the next thing. Ephesians 5, 2. Listen to this verse. And walk in love. As Christ, you have to listen fast here. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, watch this, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Listen quickly, church. From the first animal that was killed in the Garden of Eden to the last breath that our Savior took on the cross, every drop of blood that was shed was a picture of eternal grace that will abound for everyone that believes. Every sacrifice, every drop of blood from the Lamb Countless other sacrifices till Jesus shed his blood. Every drop was a picture of God's grace shed on you. You may say that the Bible is strange. I will say that your sin is strange. You may say that it's really weird the way they sacrifice things in the Bible. And I would say that, are you aware that nothing is free in this world? It's weird the way they sacrifice, the way things died and... It's strange. You know the way John lived? It was a little strange. I don't know if I can wrap my head around the fact that something had to die. In a world of tolerance, in a world of people that that can't wrap their head around killing a deer for food for their family, In in a world where people just literally would value their dog more than their grandmother or their baby, what is wrong with people? Like, literally, like, what is wrong? It's because their view is skewed of the world. A Christian worldview says death happens because of our sin. In general, end of story. And that all death was a picture of Jesus' death to come. We were created eternal beings. We were created without sin. 
and man's decision to sin entered into damnation, which led to death. So you step back and you say, all this death happening in life is all a picture to point to the death of the Son of God. Sometimes you're sitting in a situation where you're in a jail cell and you're doubting what is happening in life. But Scripture gives perspective as to what is happening in life. And what brings perspective more than anything is the life of simply Jesus. Someone who lived perfectly, someone who did it all right, and still bore the weight of our sin, which caused death. But thanks be to God that in Him is the power of resurrection that can lead us to something meaningful. That can lead us to a life worth living. But here's here's the point. When you are in the position, listen church, of taking, someone else is in the position of giving. When you are in the position of taking... Someone else is in the position of giving. I could say it this way. To say yes to one thing is to say no to what? Something else. We got a world full of people that think the world revolves around them. John wasn't even at that point, though, and he was depressed. Listen to this. In this story, we see a veteran, John the Baptist, struggling, watch this, with taking struggling with receiving. He gave and he gave. But now in the story was the time for him to what? Receive. He gave of his life. And he went hard in the paint. But he struggled with receiving. Watch this. This is the whole message. Jesus is the point, not the things that Jesus does or allows you to do. Jesus is the point. Not the things he does or the things he allows you to do. Paul put it this way. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul said we don't preach us. We preach who? Jesus. John the Baptist preached Jesus, the coming Messiah. Are you discouraged this morning? Are you depressed? Are you hurt? Are you unable? Are you failing? Are you faltering? Are you confused? Watch this. Jesus is your king. Jesus is your deliverer. He's your healer. He is. A little comic relief in the middle of the story. Matthew 12, 38 through 40. Listen to this. Then certain of the scribes, And of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, scribes, Pharisees, the religious people of the crowd. Hey, Master, hey, Jesus, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there is no sign to be given to it, but the sign of a prophet Jonas. And for Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What was the difference? The Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, Hey, hey Jesus, uh, we would uh, see a sign from you. We'd, We'd like to see a sign that says that you are who you say you are. And what did Jesus say to them? Uh, you're wicked 
and uh, you're perverse, and uh, why don't you go ask the next guy that can do miracles for a sign? And he walked off. (laughs) But when John's disciples came to Jesus, they said, are you who you say what? You are. And then what? Let the games begin. (laughs) And you get your sight. And you get your healing. And you get a million dollars. And you, uh, whatever the problem is, you're your fifth cousin. Yeah, he just got new legs. Woo! Ready? I'm Jesus. I am who I say I am. And I'm healing everybody. Everybody gets a school. (laughs) What's the difference? The Pharisee said, hey, we just... We'd like to see a sign, Jesus, and then we'll know <laughs> if you are who you say you are. But when, when we approach in humility and we say, are you who we are looking for? Let the signs and wonders roll. Here's the difference. John said this in John chapter 3. He must increase and I must decrease. What are you looking for, church? Are you looking for a sign? Or are you looking for Jesus? The Pharisee just wanted, the Pharisee just wanted something to make their life look better. You can't polish this turd. I'm a sinner. I lay myself down and I pick up the cross of Christ. I fail. I falter. I just want to get to know who He is. He must increase. I must decrease. What's in your fridge today? We could go Capital One on it. What's in your wallet? Has it become about the fridge? Are you a Pharisee covered in everything you've done? Or can we just worry for the next 50 years in our church about keeping the gospel ready to serve? About keeping the gospel the best meal that we have in our fridge, the only meal ready to give to a lost and dying world. And then when we're depressed, and then when we struggle, and then when we sit in the jail cell of our lives wondering if we can make it, then He finds us. Then He talks about us. Then Jesus says, let me tell you about my child. Let me tell you about my brother and about my sister. They believe in me. John's a good man. John believes in the Gospel. John may be discouraged. John may be depressed. John may be down and out, but bless God, he's got me, which means he's seated in the heavenlies. He said he must decrease, and exactly what he wanted is what's happening, and I'm here to do signs and wonders. Church, he's here. He's ready to be used in your life. He's ready to help you win your coworker. He's ready to help you pray your children through. He's ready to help you go grow in grace for the first time. But it's got to be about Him and not about you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not here to judge you for what you're going through. I'm here to tell you that He loves you and that He cares about you. If you're a Pharisee thinking that you're something, I'm just going to go ahead and ask you to leave. (laughs) Just kidding. 
Lay it at the foot of the cross, what you think you are. Lay your pride down. You're nothing without Jesus. None of us are. He is there for you. He wants you. But do you want Him? John's heart was in the right place. If you sit here this morning and you say, I'm John. I'm in a prison cell of life and I'm questioning Jesus. Let's just take a walk down memory lane this morning. Let's just look back at what God has done for you. He saves you. He wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, you're in prison right now, but the blood of Jesus says he's coming back to claim what he bought. If you're saved and you're sitting here and you say, I'm just going to let Jesus encourage me. I'm going to let Jesus and who he is warm my heart this morning. Here's my hand. Boom. I'm just giving it to him. It's just him. Nothing else. Yeah, buddy. Love that. Pastor Matt, Maybe you need prayer today. Nobody's looking. Pastor Matt, can you pray for me that I can get there? I feel like I'm stuck. There's, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six, seven. Okay, pretty much everybody's stuck right now. Okay, at least we know where we're going, right? We're all stuck. Oh, guess what? His mercies are new every day. You know, this world... <laughs> It's going to get you focused on how big your fridge is. Yours isn't as pretty as mine. You got that new, like, black stainless steel. That's a new thing. I got the stainless steel that's been called stainless steel for a long time. That's old news. Mine looks better than yours. Oh, I I got a white fridge. What are you trying to say that's better than a black fridge? Hey, it's a fridge. We need a church full of fridges. I don't care what color. I don't care how big. I don't care how small. I don't care if you're a little cooler. I don't care if you're a wine cooler fridge. I don't care if you're little. I don't care if you were dreaming to be some kind of big fridge someday. All that I care about is are you keeping the gospel food inside? Are you ready to serve at any time? (gasps) You're a fridge that's empty? You're a fridge that doesn't have food in it? You don't have a purpose? If that's you and you said, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my fridge is empty. Pastor Matt, can you pray for me today? Can you pray? If I died, I don't know 100% sure I go to heaven. Here's my hand. Can you pray for me? I've never tasted of the bread of life. Awesome. By our testimony, we're all saved. Let's just get right today. Let's get ready to do what God wants us to do in our lives. Just pray right there in your seat.